Good morning, everybody. I'm going to invite you to take the inserts out of your bulletin. Uh, on one side of it is uh, the sermon outline. We are going to start a uh, sermon series today that will go through the month of February. We're going to be talking about gratitude. And uh, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about gratitude over the next couple of weeks and giving you some exercises on the back side of it. Speaking of exercises, on the back side of it is the MPG. Uh, stands for Memorize and Pray and Glorify. Uh, today we are going to ask you to memorize throughout this week uh, a psalm, Psalm 100, all of it, Psalm 100 verses 1 through 5, and it become uh, the words of Scripture that you med meditate on this week. We're also going to give you a prayer exercise that has to do with thankfulness and gratitude towards God. Uh, you know, prayer is not something that we should take for granted. It is what the church does when it comes together. It is what Christians do on a daily basis. And sometimes it's, it's difficult, especially if we have grown up and have never been taught, or maybe we're new to the faith and never been taught how to pray. This exercise is something that we hope will help you learn how to pray Scripture, to pray gratitude towards God, and to do it multiple times during the day. And then at the bottom is glorify. And one of the things I'm going to ask you to do over the next year is go out today and uh, buy uh, a, a journal and uh, every day spend a few minutes writing down five things that you're grateful for. Uh, I've been doing this over the, um, over the last year. There's, I, you know, I don't even know how many uh, gratitudes I've written, but the instructions are there in the MPG. It, it's something that I'm going to challenge you to do challenge you to grow in gratitude uh, over the year, and we're going to be laying some groundwork today as we think about it. Uh, again, let me say welcome to everyone who's here today. Uh, if you're visiting with us, my name is Mark. I'm one of the ministers on staff here. Uh, if we've never had a chance to meet, I'd, I'd love to have an opportunity to, to shake your hand, to get your name uh, for us to meet and greet each other. I'll be out by the green wall, out in the family room or the foyer, and as you're leaving and going to lunch today, if you'll just stop by for 30 seconds or a minute or whatever it is, uh, so that we can have a chance to meet each other, I would really appreciate it. Uh, I want to say welcome to everyone who is, is live streaming with us as well. And as I mentioned, we're going to be thinking and, and pressing our mind into God's Word as it pertains to, uh, to gratitude. And this morning, we're going to think about it in terms of the challenge to be grateful. Not something that we can assume. Gratitude is not a default setting in human beings. So we're going to talk this morning, lay some groundwork, talk about the challenge of gratitude. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the, the, how re recognizing and acknowledging gratitude go hand in hand. Uh, then the third week, we're going to talk about how Jesus redirects gratitude. There was a way that gratitude was practiced in the days of Jesus uh, and Jesus redirects that gratitude and does some things with gratitude that, that were revolutionary in his day and even in our day today. And then the last week, the last weekend of this, this month, we're going to talk about those things that block gratitude. We're going to talk about ingratitude. So let me start with, uh, with two questions. First question's up here on the screen. Are you, when you think about your life, are you a, the cup is half empty? or the cup is half full, or the cup overflows kind of person. What kind of person are you? 
Are you a, the cup is half empty or the cup, cup is half full? Or are you uh, the cup overflows kind of person? And if you're not sure, ask the person next to you. They probably know. <laughs> Second question is this. What does an overflow life look like? What does an overflow life look like? When you see that person walking down the street, walking down the hall, what does the person look like where you go, you know, I don't know what it is about that person, but it just seems like they are just overflowing with the good stuff. What does that look like? Um, Have you ever had anybody cuss you out? Not long ago, I was putting some bags in the pickup in a large parking lot when all of a sudden I heard someone cussing like a sailor, apologies to the Navy. You know what I mean. I looked up to see what all the commotion and why all these four-letter words were flying in my direction and discovered that the person was cussing like a sailor at me. And I'm confused. And he's accusing me of bumping his vehicle with my truck door. And I said, you know, I'm sorry. Um, And I opened up my door all the way, and it was six inches from his vehicle. (laughs) That only made him mad. And it triggered uh, an avalanche of more four-letter words. I mean, this person is out of control at this point. And and I'm, you know, I'm kind of putting the radar up a little bit when, and I'm looking at him and somebody says something to him and he starts yelling at that person. It turned out it was a woman that told him he needed to simmer to calm down, you know, no big deal to calm down. And he challenged her to a fight out there in the middle of the parking lot. (laughs) And she went in, I'm just waiting for the cops to show up. In fact, I'm hoping for the cops to, to show up and, um, you know, I show him, I say, I, I didn't bump your vehicle. And he's, so he starts, you know, more four-letter words coming at me. And he says, it was your cart then. And I turned around, and sure enough, the corner of my cart was actually touching the side of his truck. And I just said, I, you know, I didn't mean to. It doesn't look like there's any damage. I'm just really, really sorry. Uh, I apologize. Please forgive me. And he just started at me again with these four-letter words and, you know, up one side and down the other. And, and finally, he paused a little bit, and, and I said, hey, uh, are you doing okay? And he looked at me, and he started talking about all these terrible things that had happened in his life over the last month. And I just happened to be the guy that he was going to kick that day. And that's okay, right? And, um, but the end of the story takes a real weird turn. Because, you know, he's just, he just he starts talking about how he's, he's, you know, just life is terrible. The world is terrible. Everything is terrible. And he looks at me and goes, man, I hope you're a Christian. And I go, I, well, I am. And not only that. I'm a minister. (laughs) And he says, me too. (laughs) A true story. 
And I spent that time out in the parking lot, and uh, we, we just talked. And in the end, he apologized for overreacting. And, uh, you know, we had a chance to talk about God. And, uh, but, you know, you, you, you think about that encounter, and, and you, you know, you want that life that overflows with good stuff and is not marked by just an avalanche of everything is wrong, even though that might be reality. So what does an overflow life look like? An overflow life is marked by gratitude. An overflow life is marked by gratitude. And one of the reasons I tell you that story, and I certainly would never want to tell a story like that that would embarrass anybody, but the reason I tell you this story is to make this point, and this is not even really kind of the big idea of the sermon, but if you can get your mind around this, then most of the work this morning has been done, at least my part of it. And here's the thing I want you to think about. That gratitude is hard work because ingratitude is natural. I want to say that again. Gratitude, developing this overflow life, a a life that is grateful, a life that is marked with gratitude is hard because ingratitude is natural. And that's pretty easy to prove, right? I mean, what is one of the first things that we teach our children about the time they get old enough to start motoring around, asking for stuff? They come up to you, you know, my granddaughters come up to me and uh, they go, partner. And I go, what? And they go, can I have a popsicle? And they know the answer from partner is always going to be what? Yes, even if it is breakfast. (laughs) And then I give them a popsicle, and what do they say? Nothing. (laughs) So what do I say to them? What do you say? And they say, thank you. Can I have another? (laughs) You know. And you do that over and over again, right? Because you're teaching your, par- you're teaching your kids as parents or grandparents. You're teaching your children to grow up and to be responsible human beings. And human beings who have a really healthy view of the world that is saturated with God. And there's always a reason to say thank you. So we start at a very early age. What do you say? Thank you. What do you say? Thank you. What do you say? Thank you. After a while, you don't even have to say what do you say because they know what to say. When they've received something good, what do they say? thank you. You have to teach and work at gratitude. Because ingratitude is natural. Or I should say it's natural to the fallen self. Rick Hansen, who is a neuroscientist, writes that our minds are Velcro for negative and our, for any kind of negative information, and our minds are Teflon for the positive. Think about that. Our minds are Velcro for negative information, but Teflon for the positive. In other words, and we know this is true, if somebody says something to you that's negative, you're going to think about it for the rest of your life, right? At least for a week. But if somebody says something to you good, it kind of gets rinsed out of, of the brain fairly quickly. In fact, there, and there's been different studies that have been done, you know for every negative thing that you hear, you need about five things 
Sometimes it's all the way up to 13 things that are positive to kind of counteract the one negative thing that's said because our minds are what? Velcro when it comes to the negative. And Teflon when it comes to the positive. And what this creates is a very human liability for disciples of Jesus of Nazareth. It creates a very human liability. I'm going to give you something to say. I want you to say it out loud with me. It's up here on the screen. Say this with me, 11 days to 40 years. Say it with me again, 11 days to 40 years. Now, what in the world does that mean? You'll remember that uh, as the people of Israel are getting ready to go into the promised land, uh, Moses gives them three sermons. We call it the book of Deuteronomy. It's the last book of the Hebrew uh, 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 Torah. It's uh, the book of Deuteronomy. And, and basically, Deuteronomy is about the second giving of the law. And as the people are getting ready, after a long time of wandering in the desert, Moses is reminding them to remember in these three sermons. You need to remember what it is that God did for you, how God protected you, how God took care of you. And at the very, in fact, it's the second thing that's even mentioned in this book, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 2, we read these words. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by the Mount Seir Road. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by the Mount Seir Roads. And what what is happening at the beginning of Deuteronomy, as they're getting ready to go in the promised land, is that the people are being reminded, and we are being reminded, that 11 days was the amount of time that it would take Israel to travel from Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, to Kadesh Barnea, which was that little uh, place to the south of the promised land that was actually the gateway to it. And you know the story in, in, in the middle of Numbers. Numbers chapter 14, the spies go into the land, They're in the land for 40 days. They come out. They convince the people that the promised land is a bad idea. As rich as it is, as beautiful, as overflowing as it is, as as rich as it is, it's a bad idea. And basically, the people of Israel begin to say, okay, God delivered us from four centuries of slavery, of brutal slavery, delivered us from attempts at genocide, protected us from our enemies, gave us food in the wilderness, gave us water in the desert, provided a heavenly map quest to get us to the promised land without getting lost. And he's doing all of that in order to get us killed. And in the ingratitude of thinking of not thinking through what all of these blessings were, they began to diminish God and God's presence and God's protection and and God's purposes for their life. You see, and this is one of the things that we'll talk about more and more as we talk about gratitude this month, is that gratitude is the language of memory. I remember And in remembering this good thing, I have gratitude. Royce talked about it this morning. When we come together, the whole reason for our coming, the whole reason this church exists is because of the cross of Jesus of Nazareth. 
There is no way that any of us, as different and as diverse as we are, would ever have any reason to be together except that we all find our life at the foot of the cross of Jesus of Nazareth. And so we are called as a church to remember and to remember and to remember and to remember. And as we remember what he did for us, our life begins to well up in gratitude that we are not what we once were and we're not yet what we're going to be, but we are in the process through the Spirit of God of becoming the human beings we were always meant to be. That we can be salt and we can be light and we can be a world set on a hill that is hard to hide and is visible to everybody around it. And one of the things that shines like a beacon is the fact that there are things, even in the, when the world is broken, that there are things that we can be grateful for. And we remember, week after week after week, the power of ingratitude instantly turned 11 days into 40 years. Ingratitude instantly turned 11 days into 40 years. There is something about the human mind, friends, that remembers the bad stuff and it forgets the good stuff. And remembering the bad and forgetting the good will affect your faith. It will affect your life. It will affect your witness. It will affect you as salt and light in a city set on a hill. And in the time I have left, I want us to think about Psalm 100, which Steve read for us just a couple of minutes ago. Um... And as we go through Psalm 100 and we think about gratitude, I want us to think about this. You know, what is gratitude exactly? And then number two, I want us to think about gratitude, its source. The, the source of gratitude is a who. So we have the what of gratitude, the who of gratitude, and then finally, why be grateful? Why be grateful? So I want to read to you Psalm 100 one more time, and I want you... Listen, people, put, put your feet on the floor and your hands in your lap. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to breathe in and to hold it and to let it out. Now breathe in and hold it and let it out. One more time. Let's breathe in and hold it and let it out. And with our eyes closed, let's listen to the words of this song. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. And we are His. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is God's word and all the people say. So let's talk about gratitude, what it is. 
Psalm 100 has a heading to it. If you've got your Bibles open, there's an inscription at the top of Psalm 100. And in Hebrew, it, it talks about it being a psalm. And then in Hebrew, it says todah, which is the Hebrew way of saying thank you. If you're in Israel and you're walking down the street, think I'd like an espresso, you stop in the coffee shop, get an espresso, hand it to you, you give them the shekels, uh, they're going to say to you todah, which means thank you. The NIV translates that inscription as, at the top as a psalm of grateful praise, and that is what it is. Listen again to how this psalmist talks about, about, about his reaction when he thinks about the reality of God and how God has included him into that reality. There is something that can only be described as thankfulness, as todah, that rises up in him. He says, shout for joy. It's with gladness and joyful songs. And there's thanksgiving, and we're giving thanks to him, and we're praising his name. You know, a fellow that uh, I, I quote from time to time, I, I just I enjoy so much his writing and his thinking. His name is G.K. Chesterton. One of, of the most compelling things about G.K. Chesterton is that he lived in a state of perpetual wonder and gratitude. I mean, he could not just look at the world or people or, I mean, he just, one time he said, you know, if, if, if children can be happy that, that Santa Claus can put in their stocking the gifts of, of, of a toy or a doll or something, can I not be thankful for the gift of two legs? He lived in a state of perpetual gratitude, and he, he sort of defines gratitude this way. He says it, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. It, it, it's seeing the wonder of goodness in the world and expressing that gratitude. In other words, Chesterton did not attribute happiness to nature or to nurture, but to the will. That one's capacity for gratitude can and must be trained. And he was right. There was a study done in, uh, with the University of Minnesota a few years ago where they estimate that less than half of being grateful has anything to do with your genetic makeup. In other words, it's not that you have gratitude or you don't based on who your parents are, but that gratitude is training ourselves to pay attention to what is going right in our lives. And is that not what the psalmists do over and over and over again? The psalmists never stray away from the fact that the world is broken and there are rough things that take place. Some of the psalms are just filled with a lot of talking to God about how rough it is to be in what seems like a bad situation where it's like mud all the way up to the chin. Or that I'm in quicksand. Or that I'm surrounded. In Psalm 27, David is talking about this, this, this moment in his life where it seemed like he was surrounded by so many enemies that they wanted to devour his flesh. What that's all about, I don't know, but it doesn't sound good. But what the psalmists always end up doing is, is, is coming back and thanking God for his presence, his faithfulness, his including us, his naming us. If I were to give you a definition of gratitude, it would, it would sound like this. That gratitude is the sense of gladness you have that a gift has been given and it must be acknowledged. Gratitude is the sense of gladness that you have, that a gift has been given to you, and it must be acknowledged. 
Gratitude is a positive state of mind that acknowledges good realities even in the experience of not-so-good circumstances. Uh, I had a mentor by the name of Lynn Anderson who for 30 years you know, was somebody that I could, I could go to with questions. He was somebody that I could go to for wisdom. And in the latter years of his life, he struggled with cancer. I'll remember, never forget, always remember a conversation that we had about that time where he was going through the chemo and the surgeries. And, and it, it was a painful time, and it was a frightening time. And he said that there would be times when he would be lying in bed at night thinking that I have death in my body. In my body is death. But Lynn also said that he never felt the presence of God in his life as acutely as when he went through his fight with cancer. And he said to me, I would never wish the experience of cancer on anyone. But at the same time, I would not trade this experience of the nearness of God for anything else in the world. It is that for which I'm grateful. We shout for joy to the Lord. And he is the who of gratitude. He is the who of gratitude. God is the source of our gratitude. Listen again to the words of Psalm 100. And this time, I'm, you know, it's the, word, it's the name of God. Whenever you see Lord with all those caps, it's the name of God. It's shout for joy to Yahweh. Worship Yahweh. With gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that Yahweh is God. Know that Yahweh is good. All the shouting for joy, all the thanksgiving, all the praise, all the worship is given to God. And the psalmist tells us to acknowledge that Yahweh is God, and because he is God, we can also say that Yahweh is good. The great reality of God is that he exists. And that he has our best interests at heart. So in another psalm, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. James, the brother of Jesus, will say it this way over in the Christian scriptures. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, is from God, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. We wake up every day. We wake up every day and we say, thank you, God, for the gift of this day. Because none of us are promised another day. Every day comes to us as a gift. And as disciples of Jesus, we realize that the biggest gift in the gift of the day is the gift of God's presence. Uh, Rick Warren has a little thing that he says from time to time to people. It goes like this. Unhappy moments, praise God. In difficult moments, seek God. In quiet moments, worship God. In painful moments, trust God. But in every moment, thank God. And then I'll close with this, the why of gratitude. God is the most important reality of your life. 
God is the most important reality of your life. The greatest offer that you're ever going to receive as a human being is the invitation to enter into the kingdom of God, which means that you come into his presence, that he will hold you in his love, that he will hold you in his light. And even in the darkest moment, it is his light that illuminates the path before you. And it is the one that transforms your heart. And the psalm ends with these words. Know that the Lord himself is God. He made us, and not we ourselves. We're his people. The sheep of his pasture. The Lord is what? The Lord is what, church? The Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. Into the gift of each day comes the gift of God himself to his people. And the psalmist lists these things to be thankful for, to show gratitude to God for, that we are made by God and he cares for us as a shepherd cares for sheep, that that his loving kindness is forever, That there is nothing that you can do. Now, you can walk out of God's love. You can choose to say, enough of that. But his steadfast love endures forever. His love for you is forever. And his faithfulness extends through generations. Gratitude is what happens when we recognize that every question, real question, And every real desire has been fulfilled by God. And that that the universe is not cold and not distant, but that the universe is on our side because God is God. Um, Many of you know that um, the Owsley family has has gone through um, uh, a really rough period of time with, with cancer uh, Tim having some very, very invasive and serious uh, cancer. Terry right there by his side. And uh, Tim and, and Terry are, are with us this morning right here. Raise your hand. We're so happy you're here with us. And I want to read uh, something to you in closing that, that they have written. Terry and I just wanted to write a note to our church family at Mac following a pretty challenging couple of months Although we have been a part of Mac for the past five years, in the most important ways we feel we are part of an eternal family. We have learned so much about ourselves and how Jesus' church was designed to work, and we have been on the receiving end of countless blessings from so many. In order to keep this brief, let us simply say that the outpouring of love, support, and compassion from the diagnosis of cancer to this very day has been Remarkable, from the elders praying over us and anointing us with oil to the pink sheets, cards, calls, texts, visits, prayers, words of encouragement, and the glorious feeling of love you have accomplished so much in healing and comforting to us. Um, To kind of cut to the chase here, uh, it has been discovered after all the prayer, the fasting, and the surgeries that the cancer has not gone into the lymph nodes or into the bone. And the doctors simply have no explanation but we knew they write. Let's just clap. (laughs) 
We're sharing this because we know the healing we have received, not only physically, but spiritually and emotionally, has the as the outcome of your faith. We have also come to recognize, uh, recognize how we need to be more devoted to encouraging, praying for, and supporting others who are going through challenging times. With all that is within us, we want to thank each of you for your expressions of love and care. We could not tell you with a million words how powerfully you have moved in us and how blessed we are to be a part of the Mac family. As a part of Paul's prayer for the Philippians in chapter 1, Paul says, This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of, say it, God. In Christian love, Tim and Terry Owsley. Um, gratitude. We're going into a rough year. We got an election coming up. There are, there's going to be so many voices on each side that's just going to be saying the most awful things and the meanest things. And we're going to be called in to, to judge and our core values your core values are going to be violated and there's you know people are going to it's just it's going to be it's going to be a year to remember right 2024 and that's why right now we want to begin thinking about gratitude because what marks the life of a disciple of Jesus is the goodness of God as it is expressed in his love, of which the cross is one manifestation. But the fact that you're here today and that we have this day, there's food on the table, that you have a sense of love, that there's physical healing, all of these are things that not only we're gratitude, we have gratitude, that we're grateful for, for ourselves, but we're grateful because we see it in other people. And one of the ways that we are light and salt in a city that, can, that can't be hidden, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, is in the fact that our life is marked with gratitude. And it begins when we start doing the hard work of being grateful day after day after day. Because we also realize that ingratitude is natural. The broken self, the broken person, the sinful person, the person that wants to be God and not recognize God is a person of entitlement. And a person that thinks, as God, that everything belongs to them. And that is a rough life. It's a boring life, but it's also a rough life and one of the hardest lives you'll ever live. But learning to live in the light of God, in the love of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit is what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the month. We'd love for you to become a Christian, a disciple of Jesus. You saw a baptism this morning. If that is, is, is something that you've been thinking about, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? I'll be at the green wall after the assembly this morning. Come by and talk to me about that. Come by and, and, and we'll answer questions or I'll point you to somebody that can take the time with you this morning if that's what it takes. But let's spend a minute showing our gratitude to God in worship. Singing songs of joy, songs of gladness, songs of praise, and songs of thankfulness. Amen. Let's stand and sing. <laughs>